Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 9. Byron. I'm seriously trying to rack my head trying to remember who's Byron. Because that's one thing about these super books is that they have everybody they give everybody a chance to think which is never a good idea also i'm still caught up on the fact that christy's like yeah 86 year old dude you should just come sit down next to me and my parents at dinner like if i'm at dinner on a cruise after a long day and a 86 85 76 i don't know year old person pulls up next to my daughter sits down looks embarrassed and was like me and your daughter were talking and she invited me to dinner because she told me all your family's business i might choke them out like yeah what are you doing around my daughter like that or my son i might haven't decided yet it's a real possibility Treasure. I could feel it in my bones. We were going to find buried treasure on Treasure K. All the signs pointed to it. I had just finished reading Treasure Island. And what was one of the movies they showed on the boat yesterday? You got it. Treasure Island. I made Adam and Jordan, my brothers, were triplets, watch it with me. They didn't want to at first. Because Treasure Island, the book, is a classic. And they think all classics are boring. But finally, they came along. On the other hand, our little brother Nicky and his friend David Michael begged to come with us, but we didn't want them. You can't keep people out of a movie theater, though, so they sat with us anyway. By the time the movie was over, we had forgotten all about who did and didn't want to see it, and who did and didn't want to sit with whom. All we could talk about were pirates. A really good pirate, said Adam wears red and white striped stockings and has a black patch over one eye and a wooden leg. And a parrot that sits on his shoulder, added Nicky. And the parrot can squawk out, yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum, said David Michael. He wears one big gold earring, said Jordan. The pirate, I mean. Not the parrot. And he's rude and mean, I finished up. He steals a treasure, buries it, and won't tell anyone where it's hidden. Except he tells his best friend, whose name is Old Bad John, said Nicky, but doesn't really tell him, I went on. He gives him a hint in a treasure map, that's all, and he only does that when he's about to die. He figures that if Old Bad John is smart enough to figure out what the map means, then he deserves the treasure. But if he isn't smart enough, then the treasure should stay hidden. Right, said the others. Uh... Personally, to me, uh, a good pirate is one of the ones that kept jacking white folks off the coast of Africa. I don't know why y'all kept opening up the doors to your boats, but the Somali pirates were kind of thorough. And, and, I mean, they were thorough enough to get a movie written about them. And in a world where dang near every movie about action films is about, unfortunately, Arab people and Muslim people being shown as terrorists, which is horribly racist and really off base. They decided to do a movie about Somalian pirates with Tom Hanks. I'm the captain now. That's my idea of a pirate. You can't tell me nothing else. My pirates are black.
I don't know how that feels to y'all, but it felt okay to me because I'm black and I can say it. But y'all can't say it. If y'all told me that your favorite pirates are black, you better have a good reason why Idris Elba's on your list. That was yesterday. Today, we are still talking about pirates and treasures. And the Ocean Princess was going to dock at Treasure K. K, which pronounced either K or Key, is just a word meaning small island. I asked my dad. We were sure that the key was going to be like islands in the movies. Now that they said it, I can't say K. I'm like, key. I'm like, ugh. I'm going to try and say K still. K? All right, cool. We were sure that the K was going to be like islands in the movie. All jungly and wild with monkeys and coconuts and maybe a couple of pythons. When we got off the ship, we sort of had a surprise. Treasure K didn't look too different from Nassau. I saw hotels all along the beach. I glanced at my brothers and David Michael will raise eyebrows. They must have let us off at the wrong island, said Nicky. No way, I told him. The captain knows what he's doing. They announced Treasure K, so this must be Treasure K. But wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know what? asked Adam. There are thousands of K's and islands in the Bahamas. Only a few are inhabited, and we get one of them. Why couldn't we have gone to one of the other ones? It probably would have been real easy. How do you know all this stuff? asked Jordan. I read a pamphlet, I told him. Come on, you guys. Let's get going. Since Treasure K was small, Mom and Dad had said that us triplets could be on our own, just like on the ship, as long as we behaved ourselves. The only thing was, Nikki and David Michael begged to come with us again. This time, we didn't mind so much. They made up pirate stories that are almost as good as ours. But we had to do some fast talking to get permission. We got it, though. And so the five of us set off to explore. I don't see jungles anywhere, said David Michael, looking very disappointed. Just hotels and swimming pools. Where are we going to look for buried treasure? Where, I replied, everywhere. Thank you, guys. Were these hotels here hundreds of years ago? Of course not, said Jordan. So what? So years and years ago, this island was probably just as wild as those uninhabited islands. A pirate could have buried their treasure here just as well as anywhere else. Yeah, said Nicky slowly. I bet lots of them did. Sure, I replied. That's probably how the K got its name. But everything must have been dug up when they built the hotel, said Adam. Not necessarily. Look at all this beach, I pointed up and down the sandy coast of the island. They didn't dig here, and even if they did, that doesn't mean we can't be explorers. Adventurers, added Nikki. Discoverers, cried David Michael. Come on, said Adam. Let's see what we can find. Most of the people from the Ocean Princess had drifted away to try snorkeling or sailing or fishing, or to watch the shipbuilders I heard about. But my brothers and David Michael and I were happy on the beach. We peeled off our shorts and trunks and stood under a palm tree in our swimming trunks. This beach sure looks different from the one at Sea City, said Adam. Yeah, no waves, I replied with satisfaction. Shallow water. I hate swimming when the water is deep, especially when you can't see the bottom. But here, not only was the water shallow a long way out, but it was a sparkling clear aqua blue. You could stand in it and see your toenails in every grain of sand around your feet. Look, cried Nicky. He had waded out as far as his ankles. Coral! I found Coral! Coral! Your mom is dead, Coral! Zombies ate her.
No? Sorry. Look at this shell, said David Michael, joining him. Throw it back. It's pink, said Nikki, looking disgusted. David Michael dropped the shell. We waded through the water, following the coastline until we came to a tide pool. Cool, exclaimed Jordan. Look at all those little animals. We watched crabs scuttle along the bottom. They sent up puffs of sand, and a school of tiny silvery fish darted back and forth near the surface of the pool. Then we walked to dry sand. Let's dig, I said suddenly. Huh? asked the others. Let's just start digging. Right here, right now. Maybe we'll find something. Look at that clip of sand over there. Wouldn't that be a great place to hide a treasure chest? We all began searching. We turned over rocks. We combed through masses of shells. We dug deep holes in the sand. We clawed at the cliff I saw. Adam found a comb. Jordan found a pair of sunglasses with one lens missing. Nikki found a lobster claw. David Michael found another pink shell. Nikki made him throw it back. But I was the one who found the treasure map. It was under a rock, far back on the beach, in a spot where the sand would always be dry, unless it rained. Hey, 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 I cried. I could hardly speak. What is it? called Jordan, running over to me. It's... It's a treasure map, I exclaimed. I held out the small yellow piece of paper. Look, there's a diagram and some funny words. They must be in another language. I wonder what language pirates spoke. None of us knew. We tried to make sense out of the arrows and X's and lines that had been drawn on the piece of paper. But since we couldn't read the words, we couldn't figure out directions or where the ocean was or anything. Let's show it to that fisherman, I said, pointing down the beach to a man at the water's edge. He looks like a native. He does? Why? What makes him look like a native? Huh? Native what? You're literally on an island that was probably bought by the ship and you found a native. Also, these kids spend a lot of time talking to strangers. For little kids. Like, between the ages of 13 and Seven, if I remember correctly. A lot of time talking to strangers. I guess that's a white thing. My parents would tell me if you talk to strangers, I'm going to grab your lips with my hands. I'm going to grab your lips into my hands and I'm going to pull them forward while I talk sternly to you about talking to strangers. They never check the stranger, though. They always check me. Lips got pulled. I told you not to talk to stranger. What'd you say? What'd you say? Answer me. Shut up when I'm talking to you. You say one more thing and I'm a twist. I'm a, I'm, I got your lips in my hands already. I'm a twist to the right, not to the left because I'm right handed. And I'm a twist. Do you hear me? Answer me. That's how my conversation went with my parents when I talked to strangers. And seen. Maybe he knows some stories about Treasure K. But when we showed the map to the man, he just laughed gently and shook his head. Then he got a bite on his line, so we left him alone to reel in his fish. Real big fish. <laughs> Later, we saw Don Schaefer walking down the beach with some boy we didn't know. We showed the map to her, but she barely looked at it. She acted like she was in a daze. It's a treasure map, Don, I told her urgently. But all she said was, mm-hmm. 
Disgusted, we let her and the boy walk on. It was almost 5.30, and we were supposed to be back at the Ocean Princess by then. So I folded the treasure map and put it in my pocket. We headed for the ship. You know, I said to my brothers and David Michael on the way, this map could be for anywhere. We don't really know. We could use it to look for treasure in lots of places. It doesn't have to be a map for treasure or on Treasure K. Right, cried Jordan. We'll look everywhere. On the ship? At Disney World? Who knows? Kids. The energy and imagination of kids is always just mind-boggling. That's it. It's not dope. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah, said Nikki, and his eyes lit up. You know, there's a stowaway on the ship. Vanessa and I saw him. Maybe he has something to do with the map and the treasure. We all began talking at once. We had big plans. Chapter 10. Dawn. Ow! cried Christy. Sorry, I said that wrong. Ah! cried Christy. Claudia, for gosh sakes, do you have to step on me every morning? No, replied Claudia, sounding offended. I don't. Not if you sleep on the top bunk, then you can climb up and down the ladder. I don't get it, though. Is your hand on the ladder? Like, how are you getting stomped on every day and she's going down a ladder? I can understand if your bunk was literally, like, I don't know. Me and my brother had bunk beds, and they had a ladder. We lost that, like, maybe six months into it because one of us um, tried to use it as a weapon. So... <laughs> It got taken away. And from that point on, you would step on the bottom bunk and hop up to the top bunk. It's not difficult. I, 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 I don't understand how you can get stepped on if you're using a ladder. Unless you're literally sleeping with your hand on the ladder. Which is just weird and wrong and rude. And you're literally, you're bringing it upon yourself. Nice try, said Christy. This is our last day on the ship. Tonight, we'll be in a hotel. I have a feeling there won't be any bunk beds. Good, said Claudia. And wake up Don, will you? I wouldn't want to contaminate her or anything. I smiled. This morning, Christy couldn't bother me. Even the messy room couldn't bother me. I was pretty sure that I was in love. Love is a tricky thing, so it's hard to tell. But there was no doubt that I felt different that morning. I felt a way I had never felt. It was a pleasant feeling, and since love was supposed to be both different and pleasant, and I had spent the afternoon before with the boy of my dreams, I assumed that I was in love. It all made sense, in a confusing sort of way. Even though I knew we were supposed to get up so we could meet Chrissy's family for breakfast, I rolled over and closed my eyes. I wanted to try and remember everything that had happened the day before, on the most wonderful afternoon of my life. Christy and Claudia and I had gotten off the ship together. The three of us were going to spend the afternoon, at least the beginning of it, together because we all wanted to try snorkeling. We had heard about the water sports on Treasure K. Don't Google water sports. That's all I'm going to say. This is a children's story. I didn't put the explicit up. Just don't Google water sports. Be specific in what you're looking for. Okay? Okay. We had heard about the water sports on Treasure K, and snorkeling sounded the most fun. So when the ship docked, we immediately asked directions to the nearest snorkeling class. 
When we found the place on the beach, we also found a whole bunch of other people from the Ocean Princess. They were wandering around, trying on the masks and breathing tubes, and asking the instructor questions. But I couldn't care less about masks or breathing tubes or questions. That's because I had spotted someone from the ship, and he was the only thing I could see, hear, or think about. It was the gorgeous guy. Ever since the first time I seen him, that time we had actually spoken, we had been eyeing each other, watching each other, smiling at each other. But that was it. However, when he saw me on the beach that afternoon, he came right over to me. Chrissy's jaw dropped. Mine may have too. Hi, he said. Hey. <laughs> That's not how he replied. That's Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. Hi, I replied. What great conversationalists we were. You here for the class, he asked. It was a dumb question, because why else would I be there? But all I said was, yep, you too? He nodded. Claudia nudged Christy, and it occurred to me then that I should introduce him to the boy, but I swear I couldn't even remember their names. Plus, I didn't know his. Claudia didn't care, though. She just smiled at me, nodded her head slightly as if to say, go get him, or good luck, and walked away with Christy. You know something, said the boy. I don't know if I really want to go snorkeling. This is probably the only time I'll ever be on this island. Why spend it underwater? That's no way to see it. My heart sank. What was it about me? The boy and I had barely spoken two words and now he didn't even want to be in the same snorkeling class with me. I had to look away. I couldn't let him see my disappointment. But the next words out of his mouth were, Do you really want to go snorkeling? Why don't we take a walk instead? I tried to remain calm. Sure, I said. That would be nice. Nice? Nice? Couldn't I come up with a better word than that? Apparently not. But the boy, what was his name, didn't seem to notice. We set off down the beach together. I knew Claudia was watching us and would be happy and not worry. We walked down the beach for a long way. At first, we didn't say much. We pointed out coral and shells and palm trees, and we gawked at the fancy hotels. Finally, I got up the nerve to say, My name's Don Schaefer. What's yours? The boy laughed. I can't believe we hadn't introduced ourselves yet. My name is Parker. Parker Harris. I was hoping his name would be Parker Lewis, because that dude literally could not lose. Parker Harris, I couldn't help exclaiming. That's some name. I mean, Parker is. It's a family name. My mother's maiden name. She didn't have any brothers, only sisters, so there was no one to carry on the name. Finally, she just decided to call me Parker. It's not the same, but, you know. I smiled. I think that's nice. Parker reached for my hand. You don't mind, do you? He asked. Mind? If we held hands, was he crazy? That hand was attached to the most gorgeous guy ever to walk the sands of Treasure K. We spent that afternoon just wandering around, enjoying being together. I barely remember what we did. Once, I know, we ran into the Pike triplets, Nikki and David Michael. So Byron is one of the Pike triplets. Okay. They tried to show us something, I think, but I couldn't tell you what it was. Parker and I were too busy being with each other. The last thing Parker said to me as we boarded the ship was, 
See you tomorrow, okay? It'll be our last day on the Ocean Princess. Maybe we could spend it together. Another day with Parker? It seemed too good to be true, but he promised to meet me on the sun deck at 10.30. So after breakfast, during which Chrissy strewed crumbs all over the table and personally gave herself a milk mustache, which she wouldn't wipe off, I got into my bathing suit and went up to the sun deck. I was half afraid that Parker wouldn't show up, but he did, promptly at 10.30. And our day began. I thought we were going to lounge around and go swimming, but Parker wanted to do things. With a mischievous grin, he said, there's a ping pong tournament today. Let's sign up. Ping pong, I cried. Only old people and little kids play that. Exactly, said Parker. We'll give them a run for their money. So, we played ping pong. I'd only played a few other times. The McGills have a ping pong table in their basement. So, how are you saying that only little pe- only little kids and old people play it when your friend has one in her basement? Get good. I'd only played a few other times. The McGills have a ping pong table in their basement, but Parker must have played a lot. Anyway, he was good, and we were a good team. Were you, or was he good? Like, I saw a movie called Fat Beach. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, especially not y'all. But (laughs) there's a scene where they do a volleyball tournament, and one guy literally scores all the points. Like, it's just off serves. Nobody else can hit his serve. So everybody else just standing there posing. It's really stupid. Like, a really stupid movie. Anyway, he was good, and we were a good team. We kept beating the other couples. I nearly died when Christy and her old man friend took their turn playing against us, but I managed to psych Christy out. Woo-wee, I teased her. Who's your boyfriend? It was mean, and I knew it, but Christy had been mean to me on the ship. She had been rude and messy and had made jokes about contaminating me. So I was glad to be able to psych her out. Plus, why are you spending so much time with this old man, dude? Like your parents really need to start asking questions. Old dude, what are you doing with my daughter? Back up, old dude. Go shuffleboard on your own. Old dude. Parker and I won the tournament. We were awarded a huge tin loving cup, which Parker said I could keep. After that, we ate lunch at the cafe, and then we went back to the sun deck for a swim. We lay on the lounge chairs, drying off in the hot sunshine. Somehow, we started talking about divorce. I told him about my family. Then he told me about his. You're lucky, he said. At least your mom isn't remarried. I ended up living with my dad after the divorce, and what did he go and do? He got married to this lady who has two little boys. They're five and eight. Right away, I asked to live with my mom instead. My parents said okay, but only for a month. I just moved back in with dad a couple weeks ago, and he took me and my stepmother and the two brats on this trip so we can get to know each other. What a stupid idea. I spent as little time with them as possible. As a stepfather, I feel some sort of way about this whole conversation. How do you know the boys are brats then? I asked him. Come on, said Parker. All little kids are brats, especially stepkids. I don't know, I said, trying to be patient. My, um, friend Christy, I guess I could still call her that, just got a stepfather, a four-year-old stepbrother, and a six-year-old stepsister, and she loves him. Well, she loves the kids anyway. She's getting used to the stepfather. Remarriages are just plain bad ideas, said Parker flatly. My mom's feelings are hurt, and my whole life has changed. My whole life has changed. Since you said yes, 
wasn't the best idea you've ever had. Why'd you get married once again, Dad? Our lives were already complete. Then you went and married that woman and she had some more kids. I don't like them and now I hate you. I seen them eating my cereal. That's all I got. Also, uh, Parker probably ended up joining one of these father groups that I see on Facebook. They're so mad. Dad's being selfish. It was hard to admit, even to myself, but I kind of thought Parker was the one being selfish. I didn't say so, though. At that moment, Parker suddenly jumped up and said, Enough sitting around! I bet he meant to know talking about divorces and marriages. We went to the video arcade. Were the games free? They talk about the video arcade a lot. Were they free? Like, did y'all just have money like that? Like... Uh, now on the ships there's a video arcade true but also in the teen club where kid also spent the majority of his time with his homeboy kyle you could play games for free so they went there and played a lot of nba 2k when they weren't playing nba 2k they were up on top of the ship playing basketball against anybody who wanted to play against them literally lighting them all on fire like they got beat we watched a movie in the theater finally we found one of those booths where you could have your picture taken I went in first and crossed my eyes and stuck out my tongue. Parker went in next and made monkey lips and flared out his nostrils. Then we squeezed in together and took two normal pictures of us smiling. We each kept one normal photo. Parker kept the goofy one of me and I kept the goofy one of him. It's strange that they do that or they say that because now there are no photo booths. There's just literally a walk of shame as you walk from the back of the ship where the clubs and everything is to the front of the ship where the lobby is and all the action. And there's like five photographers at any given time. You want to take pictures? 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 No, Bob. I took pictures yesterday. I don't take pictures every day. God. Plus, you see my outfit. It doesn't match my wife's outfit. We're clashing right now. Don't make her feel strange about clashing. I just had to talk to her for like 30 minutes before she would walk out the room because she didn't see what kind of outfit I was wearing that morning and so she couldn't sync up with me properly without ironing. So don't ask we want to take pictures, Bob. I'm not mad at you, Bob. I'm just like, we've been on this shit for like three days, right? And I just, I feel like every single day y'all are just pushing these pictures on me. Like, just let me go. Like, stop asking me. Okay? What a wonderful day. Parker and I decided to spend at least one day together at Disney World. Was this love? Was Parker my first true boyfriend? I decided the answer to both questions was yes. I have a question. How are y'all going to link up at Disney World? It's not like y'all had cell phones. It's not like y'all had home phones. It's not like y'all exchanged phone numbers. How are y'all going to link up at Disney World? Also, I told Kid Awesome and Kyle and Kyle's parents, he's going to find a cruise crush. It's going to happen. They're going to make friends. They're going to be friends when they step off the boat. They're going to Instagram each other, whatever. And then like three months from now, they won't talk anymore. And then you get on the next cruise and you repeat. Chapter 11, Marianne. The triplets are in trouble. Last night when they got back from Treasure K, they were all excited about something and they kept running through the ship. 
I didn't know then what they were doing, but whatever it was, they sure were noisy about it. They ran from deck to deck, thundering up and down stairs and occasionally knocking into people. Finally, one of the stewards caught up with them. He gave them a talking to and led them back to their parents' cabin. The triplets stood by sheepishly while the steward spoke to Mr. and Mrs. Pike. When the man left, Mr. Pike called Stacy and me into the room. He explained what happened. And so, he finished up, the triplets are back in your care. Dad! exclaimed Adam unhappily. Adam, Mr. Pike warned him, you're in hot water already. Don't make it worse. He turned to Stacy and me. At least for tomorrow, he said. You'll have to watch all of the kids except Mallory. Okay, said Stacy. No problem. Right. We'll divide them up, I added. We gathered the Pike kids in the cabin. I was sharing with Vanessa, the slow, and Mallory. Here's how we'll do things, Stacy told the kids. She's better at taking charge than I am. Unless you all want to stay in one big group, Adam, Byron, and Jordan will go with Marianne, and Nikki, Vanessa, Clara, and Margo will stay with me. Mallory, you're on your own as usual. Mallory smiled. But Nikki jumped up and cried, Just one change. Can I go with the triplets and Marianne? Please? The triplets looked at us eagerly, like they actually wanted Nikki to join them. Stacy and I glanced at each other. I didn't mind being in charge of the four boys, even though it would be a tougher job than taking care of Vanessa, Clara, and Margot. But what was the sudden friendship between Nikki and the triplets? Usually, the triplets couldn't stand Nikki. We decided not to question it. Fine with me, I said. Fine with me, Stacy said. My day with the boys began early, and we were quickly joined by David Michael Thomas. The five kids seemed to be in an enormous hurry, and they were very excited about something. Just what are you guys up to? I asked as I chased them up a flight of stairs. And slow down. No running. That's how you got in trouble last night. The boys halted at the top of the steps. Byron drew a rumpled piece of paper out of the pocket of his shorts. He glanced at the others. Should we tell her? He whispered. I guess so, Adam whispered back. Then, raising his voice, he said to me, Promise you won't laugh. And promise you listen to us and believe us. I promise, I said. A fisherman laughed, Adam persisted, and Dawn didn't even pay attention. I didn't know what they were talking about, but I said, I promise, as strongly as I could. The boys told me about the treasure map. In all honesty, it was a little hard not to laugh. I mean, treasure hidden on an ocean liner? And a stowaway pirate? But I have heard of Stranger Things, so I held my laugh in. Well, what do you think? asked Byron. I think, I replied seriously, that there isn't much chance of finding a treasure or a stowaway on the Ocean Princess. The boys groaned. But, I went on, it's true that you don't know what the map is for, so you might as well look around the ship. Whoopee! cried the boys. Quietly. I added, whoopee, whispered Jordan, and everyone laughed. Okay, you guys, lead the way, quietly. The boys led the way. I followed them. When I got bored, I snapped a few pictures. Click. I caught the five of them bent over the map, studying it. Click. I caught Adam peeking under a tarpaulin. Click. I caught Nikki and David Michael scaring themselves as they backed around the corner from different directions. Click. Click, 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 
After a while, though, even picture-taking began to wear thin. I was bored. I looked at my watch. It was only quarter of eleven. I sighed, loudly. What's the matter? I was sitting in an indoor lounge that looked like a hotel lobby. Around me, the boys were poking in at things, peering behind potted plants and calling out, Hey, this would be a good hiding spot for a stowaway. Or, I know, that arrow on the map must be the arrow that points down those stairs. I looked up. Standing nearby was a beautiful girl, the one I had seen in the Seven Seas Beauty Salon on our very first day aboard the Ocean Princess. She looked as lovely and sophisticated as ever. I was fascinated. There was a possibility that her parents had been killed. Plus, I knew that both Mallory and Karen had noticed her too. Mallory had told me she was an actress, and Karen had told me her aunt was a countess and she was loaded with money. I tried to remember the girl's name. Alexandra? Oh, I replied, embarrassed. Nothing's the matter. Not really. I'm just a little bored. I'm babysitting for these boys and I've been following around all morning. Yuck, said Alexandra. Children. Haven't I seen you before? I was surprised you remembered. I mean, I just don't think I'm all that memorable. I nodded my head. In the beauty salon the other day, you were waiting to get your hair done. Oh yeah, said Alexandra. Right. Honestly, that woman butchered my hair. You'd think that on a ship as luxurious as this one, they'd have a decent hairdresser. Gosh, I said, looking at her thick, wavy hair. I think she did okay. Your hair looks great to me. Well, thanks, Alexandra answered, patting her head uncertainly. My brother said it looks like someone took a hacksaw to it. I laughed, but something about what Alexandra had just said didn't sound quite right. I couldn't think of what was wrong about it, though. She said she was an orphan. Listen, I said. My name was Marianne Spire. I'm Alexandra Carmody, but call me Alex. Okay, Alex, I said. So, what trip is this for you, she asked. What trip, I repeated blankly. Yeah, I've been on 13 other cruises. This one's my 14th. Maybe she had gone with her aunt, or when she was filming a movie. Wow, this is only my first. Once, we sailed all the way from New York to England. Gosh, who's we? Your brother and you? Oh, no. Just my, um, guardian. Oh, Alex looked pained, so I changed the subject. Guess who's on this boat, I said dramatically. Who? Spider. From the insects? Yep. Alex frowned. No, he isn't. I happen to know him really well. He's a good friend of mine. I'd forgotten. She was an actress. Of course she'd know. How exciting to be in the personal lives of famous people. Suddenly, I wanted to find out all about Alex. I decided to do something really daring. I hope it wasn't mean. So, I said, how come you're traveling? Before the words were out of my mouth, I realized what was wrong with what Alex said before. In the beauty parlor, she said she was traveling alone. I was sure of it. But today, she had mentioned her brother. If he had seen her haircut, then he was on the Ocean Princess too. And that meant that Alex wasn't alone after all. I don't remember, but I'm betting that her brother is... Well, Parker doesn't have a sister. I don't know. He didn't say how old the stepsister was, so maybe Parker. 
I quickly changed my question. How come you aren't traveling with your parents? I had to know if they had been killed. I just had to. I was dying of morbid curiosity. Alice hung her head. My parents were... were killed. In a car accident, six months ago. Now I'm an orphan. Oh, I cried. I was horrified. I'm so sorry. That's terrible. I know. Alex's eyes filled with tears. You can't imagine how it feels. No, I replied. Well, maybe I can. Just a little. See, my mom died when I was a baby. I never knew her. I guess I'm a half-orphan. The idea just occurred to me. I wish I had known her. Alice looked at me sympathetically. She was about to say something more when Jordan ran to me breathlessly. Marianne, we tried everything and we looked everywhere, he complained. We haven't found a thing. I better go, Alex said quickly. You look busy. I tried to say goodbye to her and listen to Jordan at the same time. And we have four levels to go and the boat's going to dock in Port Canaveral, he continued, sounding whiny. And then the cruise will be over. But we could still search for treasure at Disney World, exclaimed Nikki. Yeah, cried the others, brightening. Their smiles returned, but mine didn't. I felt very thoughtful. I couldn't stop thinking about Alex. I felt really sorry for her, but I also felt close to her. You don't know how it feels to lose a parent or to grow up without one unless it's actually happened to you. I knew I had found a true friend. I just couldn't figure out why she had lied to me about traveling alone. Because she's a liar. Chapter 12. Stacy. My day with the Pike girls began a little differently to Mary Ann's day with the Pike boys. The Pike boys knew exactly what they wanted to do. So did the Pike girls. Only they didn't want to go do the same things. Claire and Margot wanted to go to the stores, the children's pool, and the video arcade. In that order. Vanessa wanted to read. Period. She was reading Baby Island, and she was two-thirds of the way through, and wanted to sit up on the sun deck all morning so she could finish it before the boat docked in Port Canaveral. A fight was brewing. I couldn't help but think of Mark Kubaki while the kids argued. There was probably very little that he could do. The Pikes were lucky to have so many choices. I mean... Just because he's in a wheelchair doesn't mean, I mean, I know he's got the heart issue. And I really think about this stuff because my son had, has, had, had, has, had, had a heart issue. I say had because um, he got surgery and uh, open heart surgery and that resolved everything. And yet I still, you still get scared, you know, but it doesn't limit. Being in a wheelchair doesn't limit what you can do. Like you, if you've never known these things, then you don't feel limited. You know, until somebody tells you that you're limited, I, I, I just don't feel like you know that you are limited. His parents are overprotective, yes, but again, that's because it's the first time on a ship and the ship was rolling back and forth. But by and large. He can do what he he can read, he can he can write poetry, he can talk, he can tell jokes, he can as he got older and his heart got stronger, maybe he'd be able to be in a wheelchair league or 
he doesn't actually need to be in the wheelchair, so maybe they got him scheduled for open heart surgery afterwards, and now he's able to live a normal life. I don't know, but I just... Limiting. I don't know. I don't know. It's a book. I want to play Centipede, Claire cried. Sundeck, Vanessa replied loudly. Donkey Kong shopping, said Margot. Reading, shouted Vanessa. Girls, 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 I interrupted. Now hold on and let me think. There must be some way to solve this. And I thought I was going to have an easy day with the boys out of my hair. I can help you solve it, spoke up Mallory. She was standing in the doorway to our cabin. I want to go to the sun deck to read too, she said, and I noticed she had the copy of The Princess and the Goblin in her hand. Why don't I just take Vanessa with me? I don't mind watching her. Vanessa looked at me hopefully. If your parents say okay, that would be great, I told the girls. I knew Mallory was capable of watching Vanessa. She's very responsible. So we got the Pike's permission and the two happy bookworms headed for the sun deck. Then I took Clara and Margot by the hands and the three of us headed for the stores. What is it you want to buy? I asked them. Gum, said Margot. A sewer ear, said Claire. A sewer ear? I repeated. She means a souvenir, said Margot witheringly. We made a tour of the shops. Margot got her gum. It probably cost like six bucks. For a 50 cent pack of fruit stripe that only holds its flavor for like 23 seconds. First stick. And Claire bought a gaudy pencil that said Ocean Princess on it. Probably also cost like $3. Then they took a dip in the pool as planned and finally dried off and refreshed. They set off for the video arcade. I followed, carrying the towels, the gum, the pencil, and $5 from Miss Pike that she said we could change in the quarters for the games. Would I answer that question? Yeah, they had to pay. So who paid for Chrissy and the old dude? Was he paying for the games? This whole thing's weird. Call the cops. I'm Chris Hansen. I wonder what Mark Kubaki was up to just then. And believe it or not, halfway between the stores and the video arcade, we ran into Mark and his father. Hi, Mark, I said. Hi, Stacy. At the exchange of hellos, Claire and Margot halted and turned around. They stared at Mark in his wheelchair and then came back to us looking curious. Please, I begged them silently. Don't say anything embarrassing. Where are you off to? I asked the Kubakis. We're just taking a walk. Clara stepped all the way up to the wheelchair and was standing directly in front of Mark. We're going to the video arcade, she told him. The video arcade? Mark repeated. He gave his father a pointed look, but I wasn't sure what the look meant. There was a moment of strained silence. I broke it by saying, I guess you guys don't know each other. Clara and Margo, this is Mark Kubaki and his father. I met them a couple of days ago. And this is Claire Pike, I went on touching Claire on the head, and Margo Pike. Everyone said hi, and I tried to explain to the girls how I knew Mark, and to Mark why I was with the Pikes. Claire showed Mark her new pencil. Awesome, said Mark. Claire grinned. How old are you? Seven, Mark replied. My age, exclaimed Margo. You're seven? I'm a little small. Not smaller than me, said Clara defensively. I'm five, she added. Do you like video games? Margot asked Mark, and I knew she wanted to get going. Yes, I do, he answered, giving his father that look again. Mr. Kubaki shrugged. That video arcade is so noisy, he said to me. I'd do almost anything for Mark, 
but 10 minutes in one of those places drives me crazy. Ooh, 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 like nowhere else. Want to come with us, Mark? Asked Claire. I glanced at Mr. Kubaki, remembering how protective he was of his son. I don't know, said Mark's father. At least he hadn't said no. Mark began to look hopeful. Could I? He asked, looking from his father to me. It's following me, I told Mr. Kubaki. We'd be glad to have Mark along. That way you could take your swim, Mark said to his father. Well, replied Mr. Kubaki. All right, I'm sure you're responsible. He was probably thinking about my diabetes and my diet and my insulin shots, which we had talked about the night I met the Kubakis. Yeah, cried Mark. Thanks, Dad. We made arrangements for where and when to meet, and Mr. Kubaki gave me a few quick instructions. Then we separated. The girls pushed Mark's wheelchair toward the arcade, and I walked behind them. A few seconds later, I glanced back. Mr. Kubaki was watching us worriedly. I waved to let him know everything would be all right. He smiled and set off for the sun deck. So how come you have to ride in this wheelchair anyway? Asked Margo. I cringed, but Mark replied cheerfully. I've got a bad heart. Can you walk? Asked Claire. Of course, said Mark, sounding insulted. But I'm not supposed to. It makes my heart muscles work too hard. I can't do anything that's like exercise. But you can play video games, right? Said Margo. Sure, if I could sit up high enough. Oops. That hadn't occurred to me. How was Mark going to reach the game controls from a sitting position? But we solved that problem as soon as we reached the arcade and got our quarters. One of the ship's stewards was nice enough to give Mark two big cushions to sit on. Then, he even gave Claire, Mark, and Margot each a free game. The kids' friendship was cemented. There's no experience better than when they give you a free game. We were at um, an arcade once, and... One of the guys, I don't know, they were testing out the machine and they were like, we need to make sure this machine works. And we were like, okay, cool. And I was asking a question and everything. And he put 50 free games onto it, like 50 free credits onto it. And he was like, go for it. I just need to make sure it works. Okay. And it was a really good game. It wasn't like, you know, one of those dumb games that nobody wants to play. It was actually a really cool game that you would want to play 50 times straight or given the circumstances 25 times, or given the circumstances, what's 50 divided by 4? Because there's a lot of games now that cost like a dollar's worth of credits, which is 25 cents each, so a dollar's worth of credits to play. So, yeah. It's a whole thing. Anyhow, let's see, how much is 50 times 4? 50 times 4 doesn't go. 52, you know, goes in a four. That's 13 times. So the last person will just have to pay extra money, but you know they got it. They were so awed by the free games that all they could do was exclaim over their good luck. Then they started talking about Disney World and the rides. I can't wait to see the castle, cried Margo. Oh, Margo, silly Billy Goo Goo, Claire began, and Mark burst out laughing. Silly Billy Goo Goo, he repeated. Clara Margo got the giggles. I mean, I say it occasionally now. I don't say it as much as I used to, but still, folks out here do be acting like some silly Billy Goo Goos. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just got to let them know. I also call people Mugworm Griblicks. 
Reading is essential. When they calmed down, the three of them finally played some games. But in between, their conversation continued. I was just thinking that the girl seemed to have forgotten that Mark was in the wheelchair when Claire finished the game of Donkey Kong and ran to Mark urgently. How are you going to go on Space Mountain in your wheelchair? She wanted to know. Space Mountain is supposed to be the wildest ride at Disney World. It's a high-speed roller coaster through dark tunnels that looks like outer space. Oh, I can't go on Space Mountain, said Mark soberly. I can get out of my wheelchair to go on quiet rides, but not on a roller coaster. The three kids grew silent. It was as if the girls hadn't realized how sick Mark was until he said he couldn't go on Space Mountain. They were about out of quarters then, and we weren't going to meet Mark's father for another half an hour, so I made a suggestion. I hoped it would perk them up. How about getting a treat at the ice cream parlor, I asked. This was met with cheers, so with the girls pushing Mark, we made our way to the Scooper Duper ice cream parlor. It looked like an old-fashioned soda shop with little round tables and wire chairs with curly cues all over them. The waiters and waitresses were wearing red and white striped jackets. Hey, there's Claudia, exclaimed Margo as we were looking for a table. Claudia was sitting by herself, nursing a butterscotch sundae. She's a junk food addict and looked as if she were in seventh heaven. Hi, you guys, she said. Hi, Claire and Margo and I replied. Then I introduced Mark to Claudia. What are you eating? Claire asked Claudia. A butterscotch sundae, she replied. Claire made a face. I want a chocolate soda, she told me. Me too, said Margo and Mark. I'm sorry for the pause between I want a chocolate soda and she told me, but... Ugh! Ugh! Unless you can tell me something differently, I'm just picturing my mind that a chocolate soda is like soda water with chocolate in it. Ugh, oh God, just saying it out loud. Dry heave, my bad. We sat at Claudia's table and ordered chocolate sodas. I had to get a Diet Coke, which is one of the worst things about having diabetes, missing out on treats. When it was almost time to meet Mr. Kubaki, I took our bill up to the line at the cash register. I began to daydream, but woke up when I heard the boy in front of me say to the cashier in a whisper, and I'll pay for her Sunday too. The boy pointed across the room. Why was he whispering, and who was he pointing to? I turned to look. He was pointing at Claudia. At least I thought he was. An older woman was sitting at the table in front of ours, and a girl my age was at a table in back of ours. But neither of them looked like she deserved a secret admirer. He must mean Claudia. This boy must be her secret admirer. I waved frantically to Claudia, but she was helping Mark with something. Claude, I called. <clears throat> Miss? I turned back to the cashier, who looked very impatient, and I realized that the boy was gone. Darn! I hadn't even gotten a good look at him, but there was nothing I could do now. The cashier and everyone online were waiting for me to pay. I paid. Then I flew back to our table. Claudia! Claudia! I cried. I think I just saw your secret admirer. I told her what had happened and tried to remember what he had looked like, but I really hadn't noticed. I guess you miss him again, I said sadly. Not necessarily, exclaimed Claudia. See you guys later. It was her turn to fly. Boy, said Mark, this is the most fun I've had on the whole trip. You guys sure do exciting things. He and the pike girl smiled chocolate soda smiles at one another. There's nothing like new friends. I only wish that Claudia could find her new friend, 
whoever he was, but it wasn't holding out much hope. He was always around, yet he always kept himself hidden. However, Mark was right. It had been an exciting morning. I couldn't wait to talk to Claudia later. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Spotify. Leave a review on Podchaser. Copy and paste that in the Apple Podcast. Copy and paste that in the Good Pods. Donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. There's a tip jar. All money goes towards buying books for this show and buying movies for Hindsight and for uh, the Cocaine Cougars uh, podcast. Thank y'all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by that kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. <laughs>